Welcome back to our fifth part of our mm. summer series. You're listening to the Indie Vets Happy Hour with your host, Dr. Andrew Heller and Dr. Marissa Brunetti. Happy to be here. Thanks we, for being on my couch. Yeah, thank you for having us. We're still drinking the beer that well, we were drinking before. Kind of. I am actually I am at least drinking Philadelphia whiskey by Kinsey Philadelphia Distillery. So all you people that are local, they have some great ones. Yeah, it's not bad. It goes down easy. I had a little nip. Too of easy. It. A little nip. <laughs> yeah, thank you for that. Thank you you for know that. what I realized also? What? I said thank you for being on my couch and I thought, wow, we're like Wayne's World. <laughs> Frost, little brother. Yes. Insert clip. Denied. All right. So today we are talking about atopic dermatitis, a subset of atopy. Mm-hmm. And this is something that's definitely most prevalent in the warmer months. That's why we want to talk about it on our summer series. It's a hot pet. I'm see you know she got a lit. We actually have one more episode left after this in our hot pet summer, and we're going to be talking about outdoor first aid, lacerations, things that you can do on the fly to um, to to treat your pet. So who's this episode for? Well, this episode is, I think, for veterinarians to just see the way that you and I think of atopic dermatitis, but also for pet owners, as usual. If you want to listen to this, I think you can learn a lot. Um, we're going to be talking about the definition of atopy. It's not a word you hear of in any Absolutely. part of your life until you're in the vet world, I believe. I don't even know. Do they call it that in humans? They might. Yeah. Yeah. They say atopic dermatitis in humans. But yeah, I do think for pet owners, this would be a great overview if your dog does have, quote, allergies. And you won't be surprised when you go to the vet and they do a workup on your dog uh, because you'll be hearing about this. Yeah. And I think it's important to understand what causes it. It's not just allergies, right? There's so much that goes into that. And I definitely want to start there and talk about the definition of atopy. Yeah. Right. This is This is a condition where mammals develop a hypersensitivity reaction to benign environmental stimuli. So just everyday things in the environment. Oftentimes you'll come in and bring your pet that's itchy. And of course we've ruled out fleas and we've ruled out food allergies, which we can do a whole nother podcast on. Yeah. Um, and the rest of it, everything else is, is in this category of atopy. Mm-hmm. And it's just things that they're allergic to. And that could include pollens, molds, dust, standers, mites. Mm-hmm. Um, foods are totally separate. So anyway, let's talk about the root cause of this disease. And atopy, we think of as atopic dermatitis, which dermatitis is inflammation of the skin, but atopy can actually just be any allergy from the environment. So it can affect the upper respiratory tract. It can affect the ocular mucous membranes, the lower respiratory tract, the GI tract, Mm -hmm. and of course the skin, which is what we're going to be focused on in this episode. So there are a few things that actually happen with atopic dermatitis. There are, three, there are three issues here. Obviously, it's the environment. But what is happening in the skin? Is it just an allergy? It's actually, there's a skin barrier defect in animals that have atopic dermatitis. So it is the root of this condition. What happens is the skin barrier defect allows these allergens to absorb more deeply into the epidermis where the immune system can then access them. And then there's not just a regular immune response, there's this skewed immune response and it's sort of a hyperactive immune response. So those two things combined caused by a genetic, well, three things caused by a genetic predisposition is the the cause of atopic dermatitis. That's a perfect way to put it. And I think we do hear a lot from our clients saying like, oh, it's allergy season, like his eyes are red now. So it's not just skin. 
And I always like to compare it to humans so people understand. So my brother, our producer, has horrific allergies, right, and asthma. And he was allergic to grass. And so as a kid, I would, like, tackle him and like, shove grass <laughs> up his nose. And it wouldn't bother me at all. So mean. I know. I'm I'm like the meanest sister I in the world. I also have an older sister. <laughs> so you know. She would do that thing where like she would pin me down and then spit and then suck it back up. But if it didn't make oh. it to my face, you know, if it didn't. I'm it almost up, certain the, the grass thing is better <laughs> now. <laughs> anyway, I think it's important to note that you, you could have had 17 dogs in your life and none of them had allergies. But your next dog could. And it's because of these three things. And one more thing for the vets listening here, there's a whole complex pathway of what's happening under the skin, obviously in the body, triggering this atopic dermatitis. It involves things like Langerhans cells, Mm. right? Those are the antigen presenting cells, T lymphocytes, immunoglobulins, interleukins. Which we'll talk about later. Cytokines. (laughs) Sorry to bring back vet school nightmares from immunology immunology class, was my least favorite class oh, yeah. and i got the worst grade in it my whole vet school career so i learned enough to do well <laughs> in it but i don't know if i remember all the little nitty gritties i'm gonna give a shout out to one of my best friends from vet school dr ashley newman who is a clinical pathologist at cornell and she knows every obviously like every interleukin and cytokine and i'm just in awe of her every day that's great ashley dr ashley out there. <laughs> i commend you we're going to talk about interleukins later. We're going to talk about immunoglobulins. So I think that, that it is important to know that it is a complex pathway from the allergen getting in and how the animal's body reacts to it. So, All right. So let's talk about the itchy animal because that's how they present. What do you do to figure out that it's atopic dermatitis, that it's atopy related and not something else? This is, this is hard. So I'm going to say right now to all of you pet owners listening, if you haven't gone through this with your pet, know that this is not a simple fix, unfortunately. You may think it's just a rash, but your veterinarian is probably thinking of many other things. And so when we- And this s- is something we see literally uh, multiple several times, times a day. A day yeah. Multiple times a day, right? And so I like to tell people when I see them, anything that is covered by skin on your dog or cat can be affected by allergies. And so what people don't really think is ear infections. Well, the ears are technically lined by skin. Mm. So anything that can affect the skin of your dog can affect the ears of your dog. And so common signs that owners see that you may, you know, hear an animal coming in for, the common ones are shaking head and scratching. But what a lot of owners don't know is that chewing, licking, and scooting are also signs of itching. Just because they come in and say, my dog has an anal gland problem, Mm. right? It's scooting. Mm. My first thought when someone says that is, yeah, I'm going to check the anal glands, but I'm pretty sure your dog is itchy. And so you want to look in the perineal area for, for dermatitis. So that's what you're going to see them come in for. And then we all know as veterinarians, when you see an itchy animal that has dermatitis or some other, you know, otitis externa. So the three common things we're going to say is, you know, there's three main types of allergies in dogs. Fleas are actually the most common one, surprisingly enough, even though we have preventatives, right? And then we have food allergies, which are harder to deal with. And then last but not least, diagnosis of exclusion usually is atopy, right? Or atopic dermatitis. And so how do we decide? Well, first we put them on flea preventative. (laughs) Then we should already be on flea preventative if you listen to our last (laughs) podcast. That's true. Since the last time, you should have gotten your pet on flea preventative. Um, But we also look at seasonality. Questions like, is your dog itchy only during these warm months? And are they totally fine in the winter? Then if the owner says yes, I'm thinking about a seasonal atopy issue. You can also look at patterns like in cats. 
otitis externa and, and dermatitis around the face is, can be more likely associated with a food allergy than mm. atopy. But you don't know until you actually rule out a food allergy. Right. And <laughs> obviously, obviously, if you see GI signs in addition to skin signs, mm -hmm. that's mm -hmm. usually also a indicator that it's Absolutely. food. But as you mentioned earlier, there's lots of different signs of atopy. Yeah, true. So, so yes, you have an itchy dog. It has hair loss, it has redness, it has scabs, it looks gross. You're taking it to the vet for help. So, Andrew, you see a dog like this. Yeah. What's some of the diagnostic workup you're going to do as a vet? Well, like you said, since fleas are so, you know, rampant, we always we always want to check that first. Yep. It's the first thing I do. I, I I take a flea comb out and I start scraping away. And if I see flea dirt, mm -hmm. boom, answered. If I see fleas, obviously it's answered. Let's, for sake of today, decide it's not fleas. Yep. Then what do we do? We we may want to do a skin scrape. There are other ectoparasites. Again, listen to the last podcast. <laughs> there are mites that we could see. Doing skin cytology as well might show us some of the causes of the lesions, but not yep. necessarily the underlying cause, right? So we want to see do skin scrapes. Um, we want to do skin cytologies. And we're looking for bacteria, yeast, mm -hmm. things like that. If we've, if we've ruled out fleas and we've ruled out other ectoparasites like mites, we're going to start thinking about atopy. And you brought up a or great food. point. Yes. But you brought up a great point. Doing skin cytology and ear cytology, those are looking for secondary infections. Those infections are secondary to an underlying cause. Yeah. And like we said, that's usually a food allergy or atopy. And so great point. I am such a proponent of cytology, even if you don't think it's warranted, even if you're like, oh, I would probably use the same. I don't have many options for treatment here. It's still very important, especially in the workup process, right? So if you do a skin cytology, say under a scab or you or you nick a pustule and you look at that and you see only cocci bacteria, but then the animal comes back two weeks from now and someone else looks and sees yeast, then we know we're dealing with something totally different and we're going to have to change yeah. our treatment plan. So I 100% always recommend getting skin cytologies and ear cytologies, even if it's a recheck and everything looks normal. So then what? What do you do next? I mean, so you said that there's one thing is the underlying cause yep. and one thing is the secondary issue, the infection or, what, or the lesion. Yep. So what do you do? Three main things that I think about when I'm treating, whether this is the first or 100th time that I'm treating a pet for something like this, three important things. One is treat all of the secondary infections first. Mm. Second, educate the owner. I don't care if it's its first ear infection ever. We want to start planting the seed in the mind of the owner that this could be an allergy and it's not going to go away one time. And thirdly is let's make the pet more comfortable by decreasing the itch, inflammation, and discomfort. So number one, treat infections first. That's based on your cytology. Obviously, we all know that based on what your ear cytology shows, you're going to pick a different medication. We've talked about that before. Also with the skin cytology, you're going to pick an appropriate antibiotic or you're going to pick an appropriate antifungal or both, depending on how, how big the infection is. Secondly, decreasing itch, inflammation, and discomfort. We have, we actually have a lot of drugs in our arsenal. We're now. lucky to be vets at this time. We really, we, we have so really many, are. So many different choices here. So many. Well, mostly good for choices. dogs. Mostly for dogs. Yes. 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 They better be working on it for cats. That's true. Well, yeah, since you and I have been vets, we've had the opportunity to use Apoquil and Cytopoint. So do you want to talk a little bit about Apoquil and your use of it? Yeah. I mean, Apoquil, I talk about this daily. Apoquil is an amazing new category of drug. It's a Janus kinase inhibitor, and you're probably seeing a lot of these on TV. Pretty much every 
ad I see, I always see these last little, this last little word, immumob. Is that what it is? Immumob? Mab. Im- There's a Mab at the end. There's a Mab Maybe. at the end. Yeah. You'll see that and you know that it's one of these Janus kinase inhibitors. They're really cool because they're very targeted in how they work. And so Apoquel is a pill. It gets into the bloodstream and it's so targeted, it goes just to specific receptors in the skin. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it blocks the receptors that trigger itch, that make yes. the dog feel itchy. Yes. Um, and so I think it's it's a brilliant drug. Mm-hmm. And what's nice about it, especially, is that they're really very minimal side effects, if any. Usually it's GI, but uh, most dogs, they don't have any side effects. And so it just stops the itch. And for most animals, that's all that really matters is just fixing the clinical signs because as we'll talk about more, atopic dermatitis, sometimes it's really hard to figure out what it exactly is causing it. Yeah, and Apoquil usually works within four hours to turn this itch off in these dogs. And I do, this is actually gonna show how a little bit different Andrew and I are. I'm a risk minimizer. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Mostly I'm just more nervous than Andrew. And so when he says there's no side effects, I, I mostly I agree. said minimal side Mi- Okay, sorry. Minimal side effects. You're right about that. Like anecdotally, I have seen very few side effects and most of them are GI, but I think it's worth talking about because I had two clients come to me last week and say, Apoquil, is that the one that could cause cancer? And I was mm, like, yeah. whoa. Okay, so I think there are some things to note if you read the full label of Apoquil. You know, obviously – you can see side effects in dogs associated with the immunosuppression of using Apoquil. And so that's things like histiocytomas, oral papillomas, demodicosis. Like you can see that in dogs that are on Apoquil. It's also been specified that they can get dermal or subcutaneous lumps, not necessarily neoplasia, but that has been seen in in the long-term use study. Also in that long-term use study, there was nothing that linked these masses to malignancy or other other Mm. cancers. Yeah. I, I should have said that if, if an animal has cancer, you certainly, you want to look right. the other way yeah, from could, Apoquil at that moment. Yeah, it could definitely exacerbate neoplasia. Yeah, yeah. And when, when it first came out, right, because we were both practicing, you'll remember they said like it didn't need monitoring blood work, but haven't we changed our tune to that? Yeah, a lot of places that I've worked, they recommend doing CBCs every six months. Absolutely. Looking I mean, for leukopenias. Yes, and I would absolutely recommend, you know, full drug monitoring blood work. At the minimum. At the minimum. (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. All right. So what else do we have in our arsenal to make a dog more comfortable when it's itchy? Well, so Apical is the first one to hit the market. And then several years later, another amazing drug by the same manufacturer, Cytopoint, came out. And, you know, rather than using the pill form like Apical, Cytopoint is an injectable medication that's given monthly, at least at the beginning, monthly. And it works similarly in that it's extremely targeted, but it's got a different mechanism of action. It is a monoclonal antibody. So those of you vets out there, I don't have to explain it, but those who aren't, monoclonal antibodies are antibodies. We all should know what that is in today's day and age, but that are all the same. And they just, these are designed to just attack the allergen. Mm -hmm. So the, the interleukin 31 is the interleukin that triggers itch in animals. And this monoclonal antibody binds to it, mm-hmm. basically rendering it disabled. Correct. So it doesn't trigger the itch. So like Apoquel, it's very targeted. It goes towards what's causing the itch, just a different part in the body that's causing the itch, a different different point. Yes. It turns off the itch. It, yeah. And in some animals that don't respond well to Apoquel, Cytopoint can work. 
and vice versa. Yeah, and I think Cytopoint, so with Apoquil, you, it's not labeled for use in dogs under 12 months of age, but Cytopoint is. And so if I have an older puppy, quote, quote, that is itchy, Cytopoint is a good option instead of a steroid. Cytopoint is also plays well with others. You can use it with Apoquil. So some people for really itchy dogs we'll will inject, yeah, will inject yeah. Cytopoint and then load Apoquil and then, you know, transition off of Apoquil and the Cytopoint will take over. You can use it with Atopica. You, you know, they say not to use it with steroids, but I'm sure people have yeah. for specific things. But, you know, I'm always thinking like, what would you need both of them for? But, you know, I'm sure there are cases out there. When can you wait to not use it? If it doesn't, if it's not back, do you wait for the pruritus to come back? I mean, if you're trying to see how long it lasts, some people after the second injection, you're right, will wait and see if their dog's starting. But you have to really set them up for like, if you start to see your dog itching at 8 p.m. and licking yeah. its paws, like that's when it needs another injection. And then you can kind of see how long it lasts. Well, what I've noticed is some of this atopic dermatitis, we're talking about it in our summer series, it's seasonal. So you might only need the cytopoint yeah. for the season and you might only need two or three months of it before yeah. it's sort of gone. Yep. And then you may be off of it for the rest of the year until the next summer yep. when it comes back. So that's, Absolutely. it's beautiful in that, you know, it's not a daily pill like Apoquel is. Right. And it, it just lasts so long that it's a favorite. So what about steroids? <laughs> So obviously this used to be the only option for treating itchy dogs and we are starting to get away from it due to the side effects, obviously. But there is one time especially that I'm still using steroids and the dermatologists are still recommending to use steroids because Apoquil and Cytopoint won't touch this. And those are the severely inflamed like stenotic ear canals that you see with super horrible otitis externa. Yeah. So I will start them on, on prednisone, do a, a short tapering dose. And I think what's really important, regardless if they're on steroids or not, is to recheck. You need a recheck in 10 to 14 days. And we want to prep our owners for that. Like this is something you may be coming back for a few times to make sure that we are treating everything and making sure your, your pet is still comfortable. So what kind of things do you give your clients to take with them? Yeah, Because it's a lot to talk about. It's I mean, a lot in, to in a 20-minute appointment where half the time you're doing the diagnostics. Yeah. What do you give them? The time. Yeah. I, especially if this is the first time a pet parent is experiencing this, I always will print them out handouts from veterinarypartner.com and I'll direct them to zoetispetcare.com, which has a lot of information about itchy dogs and Apoquil and Cytopoint if we're using that. And then I'll say, hey, I know that I just gave you a ton of information. Read all of this, yeah. peruse the internet sites that I that I talked to you about, and then at the recheck, let's answer more of your questions because it it is too much in in one appointment to talk about every step of the allergy process. Well, an Apoquil and Cytopoint, even though they're relatively benign, they are sort of the heavier gun. Mm -hmm. So what other things might you try if it's a more mild atopic dermatitis or if you want, if somebody wants to not go the medication route? I also think that's a great question because we talk a lot about antibiotic resistance yeah. and we are stewards of that. And so we have to be very careful about when we use systemic antibiotics. And, and we didn't really talk about antibiotics in this particular topic. Right. But, and I, but oftentimes we need them. Yes. Like I said, like treating the infections first. Yeah. But I have become much more cognizant, you know, the older veterinarian that I get about making sure these oral antibiotics are needed. So like, for example, if it's a normal otitis externa, oral antibiotics are not indicated. If it's focal 
or a few areas of inflammation and hair loss in a pet, I'm more focused on topical therapies like medicated shampoos or mousses or sprays, or my favorite are the chlorhexidine pads. I don't care which brand you use, but I use them all the time. And so we want to make sure that we're being appropriate with our antibiotic use. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, I talked a little bit at the beginning of the skin barrier defects in these in these patients. There are some things that you can do to actually improve the skin barrier. Yeah, there's a lot of products out there. I think I think what I'll say, you know, for us to wrap this up is there are a lot of maintenance things that you can do for an itchy dog and a cat if kind of. I mean, <laughs> I haven't tried to bathe my cat, but um, we want to focus on a couple areas. One is getting and keeping the allergens off the skin, paws, and ears of the pet, right? Yeah. So that's, like I said, flushing the ears one to two times a week, medicated baths once a week, using those medicated pads and mousses. Did you mention phytosphingosine at all? Was no. I not, was I zoning out? No, I did not, but that's definitely in, this, in the in the build yeah, of the skin. Because I, I was always impressed that phytosphingosine can inc- can help build back yep. the skin barrier. Yeah, and you see that in a lot of Duoxo products, which I like, and they have them in the shampoos and the mousses and the medicated pads. I love Phytovet CK. Have you used that one? I have. Yeah, yeah that's a good that's one. That's a good one. So yeah, so topical products, make sure to use your flea and tick prevention year round. Build up the skin barrier using fish oil supplements and phytostigmine. Phytosphingosine. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> All right, drink Build your up Manhattan the skin again. barrier <laughs> using, um, using the omegas. And like I say, not all omegas are created equal. The top three ones that we use here at IndieVets are veterinary recommended solution, Omega Benefits, Wellactin Canine, and Nordic Naturals for their omegas. And then a more maintenance like... You may need Cytopoint every month like you were talking yeah. about. Last thing I want to just mention, because a lot of vets that have been around a while have been used to using antihistamines. Ugh, yeah. um, and they're sort of falling out of favor, I would say. I barely ever prescribe them. But I tell people, people use them. Yeah, well, I tell people they may help in mild cases. And mm-hmm. if it's something you know something that they can't come in for, I can tell them to go to the, to the uh, pharmacy and pick some up. Yeah. Like... Cetirizine, even Claritin. Yeah, diphenhydramine. Diphenhydramine. I mean, the thing is, people know about antihistamines, and you're right. They can easily pick it up. And I think it is worth it to have an antihistamine dosage chart for people because we want to make sure they're getting the right antihistamines. Like I always say to people, no plus D, right, in dogs or cats. Like none of that. You know, you want plain Zyrtec or plain Benadryl. But I think the reason why antihistamines don't work that well is because for a long time, we thought atopic dermatitis was, you know, an allergy from things they breathed in, from things they ate, and it was like inside the body and out. But now that we know so much about atopic dermatitis that it really goes through the skin, antihistamines don't work that well for that. Well, it depends, right? Like I think we also thought it was more of a histamine reaction, like a bug bite. Yeah. Right? And it and it's, it's not. not. It's not. And so I will say that anecdotally, whether this is a placebo effect or not, like some people think it works in their dogs and it's not going to hurt. So I'll always write them a dose down if they want to try it, you know, and cetirizine is is my go-to. Yeah. Um, But but you're right. If you ask a dermatologist, they'll probably say that there's barely, if any, data out there that suggests they work. And if you are going to use antihistamines, the dosing is pretty high compared to human dosing. Totally. I mean, I I would take a 10 milligram cetirizine and my dog, that's a 
a fourth of my weight would take the same dose. Or twice as much. Yeah, or twice as much. And Benadryl, where we take one and we're like out for 12 (laughs) hours, like dogs can take two to three tablets. So yeah, Yeah. it's, yeah. So ask your your vet. Ask your vet. Ask your vet. All right. Well, atopic dermatitis, it's such a complex disease process. There's so much that goes into it. Veterinarians out there, there's a lot to brush up on, and I suggest you do. But I want to thank everybody for joining us today. It's been fun talking to you about this, Marissa. I always learn from you, so thank you. Same, Andrew. And uh, stay tuned for our final episode coming up in a couple of weeks. Final episode of Hot Pet Summer. Of the Hot Pet Summer, yes. Not our final episode ever. (laughs) And we'll get some good drinks. So cheers. Cheers. See you, everyone. 